But uh, let's look, we're going to look at the Bible together now. We're going to continue our teaching series that we've been doing called Gifted for Purpose. And in that, what we're doing is we're looking at what the Bible says, particularly from its letter 1 Corinthians, about how when we believe and trust in Jesus, God comes into our lives. He empowers us through the Holy Spirit with gifts and abilities to enable us to live fruitful lives of purpose, making a difference, doing good in the church and in the world around us. And, and so far, we've talked about the, the kind of great range, I guess, of different gifts that God gives to us. Uh, some are easy to recognize. Some are very sort of ordinary, have a, very much a counterpart in normal life. Other, others are a little bit more unusual, a little bit more difficult to understand. And we've had a few weeks of thinking about those. But uh, I guess one of the big messages is that we all have different, we all have gifts, we all have different complementary gifts, and together... Uh, we all ha- we, we have what is needed to get God's work done in the world. But then what happens as we go through the teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14, Paul kind of, Paul, the early church leader who wrote this, kind of pauses to focus on why we're doing this and, and what's the sort of key ingredients to using these gifts. What's going to make them work and without this thing? They're not going to work at all. It's love. It's love. 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love. Um, if you're not used to church, uh, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you're just exploring things, you're so welcome here this morning. I hope you find this message interesting, but I hope it also gives you an insight into really what's at the heart of the Christian faith. And I think it's pretty fair to say that love is at the heart of the Christian faith, those songs that we've been singing this morning, love was coming through quite strongly, God's love for us. And uh, because of that, God wants us to love and enables us to love others. If you find loving other people difficult, hopefully this is a good message for you this morning, whether you're a Christian or not, because actually God wants to help us, God wants to empower us to love others. But so just before I read the Bible reading, um, just want to say a couple of things about it. Now, if you've been a Christian for ages and read the Bible through a number of times, then uh, you'll know this passage anyway. But even if you've not read the Bible much at all, you might have heard this passage before um, because it's often read at weddings. Certainly very popular reading to read in the UK at weddings. Um, but please, don't go into kind of wedding mode or even kind of romantic mode Uh, As we read this, there are things to learn about all kinds of love, including love in marriage. But these are words that were written to a church who were not acting with love towards each other, especially in the way that they use their spiritual gifts. And it's it's first and foremost, that was the message originally. And I guess you'll you'll pick that up as as you listen to what's said. And then I'll explain a little bit more about it in a second. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, the words will come on the screen. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, And give over my body to hardship, that I may boast. 
but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we, only, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now let me just pray again. Uh, ask God to help us. Lord, I do thank you for these words, these words that have been read and heard by many people over the years. I pray, Lord God, uh, whether we think we know all about them or familiar with them or not this morning, I pray, Lord God, speak to us, give us understanding, teach us about love, and help us to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that uh, the Apostle Paul wants to say uh, to, to, to Christians from this is that the spiritual gifts, gifts must be used with love. Gift, gifts must be used with love. And uh, this sort of first, this first little section of, of the reading, verses 1 to 3, I, I guess it must... I don't know what people make of this when they're listening to this at a wedding, or maybe even sometimes people are asked to read this out at a wedding, and they're not Christians and they don't really know this bit of the Bible. And you think, what has what some of this got to do with a wedding? Well, the truth is it hasn't got anything to do with a wedding. Uh, speaking in tongues, gift of prophecy, faith that moves mountains, giving all you have to the poor. What have they got to do with marriage? But what they are to do with, and I think if you've been around for our series, you'll know this, they are examples of spiritual gifts. They're examples of gifts that God gives to us. Now, one of the things that does kind of come out in this, in a couple of these, is that actually there's many, there's many things that are true of all Christians. All Christians have faith. All Christians have faith, believe and trust in Jesus to save us from our sins, forgive us, put us right with God. Saving faith, we sometimes call that. But... There's a special gift of faith that God might give to some Christians all the time or some Christians just from time to time to just particularly believe, perhaps, this, God is going to do this. I'm going to keep praying about this. I'm going to keep holding on to this. And God will do this amazing thing, even though everyone else has given up believing that or just doesn't think that. Faith, that, the gift of faith. Uh, there's a gift of giving as well. It talks about, it talks about that uh, in Romans 12, also talks about the gift of mercy, a special gift 
to perhaps be able to help people in need. Of course, we're all called to help people in need. We're all called to be part of being generous. And, but there's a special gift to perhaps be able to do that in a particular way, to a particular kind of level. And uh, just, just to say, if you went around the last couple of weeks as well, you know, speaking in tongues, we looked at that a few weeks ago. It's not a gift that all Christians have, but it's an ability to pray or praise God in a language that we haven't learned and we don't understand. And prophecy, we had another message on that one, listening to what God is saying and then sharing what we've heard so that people can be strengthened, comforted, or encouraged. And I suppose the way that Paul is talking about this, he's, he's putting it like this, that actually we can have the kind of gifts, spiritual gifts operating in the church, that really impress people. And the way that he's talking about them is almost like, I think he's putting them at kind of like the highest level. Now, it may well be that speaking in tongues is, is always the language of angels, but it's almost like he's saying here, well, you know, if I could speak in tongues, even, even the language of heaven, even the language of angels, if I not just had the gift of prophecy, hearing things from God, wow, that's amazing, but also understand all mysteries. I've got this sort of a, it's a kind of a, a mysterious gift that I've got here. If I've got faith, not just faith, but faith that can move mountains, is something that, referring back to something that Jesus said. I don't just give, you know, gift of giving or give a few things away. I, I give everything away. God has enabled me to just have the faith to do that, to give everything away, to make myself, to put myself into poverty. I'm giving so much away. And even in some versions of the Bible, it translates this as well, sort of giving up your life. I can do all of that. But Paul says, if I do it without love, I'm nothing. It's not impressive at all. It's not a sign that I'm really spiritual. It's a sign of nothing. I'm wasting my time. It's lacking that spiritual value that I think it has. Now, one of the things that we pick up as we go through 1 Corinthians, and it is written to real people at a real time, Christians who are not perfect and having problems in their church. And it seemed that they were particularly impressed by this gift of speaking in tongues, speaking in other languages. And Paul says, if you do it with that, I mean, on the one hand, he does say elsewhere, yeah, it's a great gift. I wish you all had it. But if you do it without love for other people, you might as well be a clanging symbol. I'm not suggesting we had any clanging symbols this morning. I think the it's, I think they say it's difficult to understand, the, interpret this, but so clanging cymbal, resounding gong. It's kind of basically like a meaningless, hollow sound. It's nothing. Don't bother. And, and Paul could have substituted really any gifts into this list. He seems to be focusing on things, particularly the first two, that ones that he talks about uh, speaking in languages and prophecy. He comes back to those again in chapter 14, and they were particular thing that he wanted to talk to these people about. But we could substitute anything into this list. Any gift that God gives. Teaching, serving others, healing, leadership, music, kids' work, encouragements. But he says that there's a kind of, there's a kind of spiritual gift, maths, going on here. I don't know what you're like at maths. This is pretty easy maths. It's like spiritual gifts... Minus love equals zero. Maths teacher down here. Look at that. 
Gift minus love equals zero. Gosh, you know, that's quite a thing to say, isn't it? I don't know where you're at in terms of spiritual gifts, if you've been with us through this series. I don't know where you're at in terms of thinking, identifying, you know, what is, what is my gift? What are my gifts? Am I using them? What are the abilities that God has given me to make a difference for him, to serve others, to build up the church, to see the kingdom of God come in our community? We need to ask ourselves, you know, what does serving with my gift, or even just serving if you're not quite sure what your gift is, what does it look like to do it with love? Are we doing it for what we can get out of it? Are we doing it for our own benefit? Or are we doing it for others? Are we doing it for compliments? Are we doing it for thanks? Do we get upset when we don't get those things? So it's good to compliment and uh, thank people, of course. Am I involved in, if we're involved in things that involve preparation, can involve, it can be all sorts of gifts, are we doing our best to serve people with love by preparing well? That is an act of love. I've sometimes been challenged by this myself. We just think, oh, it's, oh you know. And I'm, I'm not talking about times when you're under pressure and you're just doing your best. But other times you just think, oh, never mind, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I'll just, I'll just turn up and wing it. Is that loving? Is that a loving way to serve people? When I'm doing the teaching on Sunday, as I'm doing right now, I need to ask myself, you know, am I taking the time on this to prepare well so that it'll be maximum benefit to you guys? Well, you, you have to be the judge of that, but I'm trying to do that. Uh, am I taking care to speak in a loving way, taking care not to unnecessarily offend people? Am I using the preaching and teaching as an opportunity to boast about myself and what I've done or my situation? Or get sympathy, maybe, um, inappropriate sympathy to tell you all my problems. We need to think about how, how can we use our gifts, the opportunities to serve in the church and beyond with love. What would that look like for us? I guess it is just worth saying, though, Maybe some of this depends what sort of person you are. You might listen to this and think, gosh, I'm, I'm a bit worried now. Are you saying that actually, unless we kind of, unless I hit a particular, particular level of love when I use my gift, it's worth nothing? Oh no, I'm wasting my time. I'm trying, but I don't, I don't think I'm, oh, I think I'll get it wrong. I think I'm not loving. I think, I'm sh- of course it's not saying that, is it? I think, I think we sort of know, don't we, where, where our heart is when we're serving of course we make mistakes. Of course we don't do things perfectly with perfect motives. But are we at least trying to make progress in being more and more loving in the way that we're using our gifts and serving others? Well, the next section will give us some ideas. If we're not, still not quite sure, what, what are you talking about? What does it look like to, to act with love? And I guess for many of us also, when it comes to love, and this is a, a sad thing, isn't it, that, that for many of us, I suppose... When we hear the word love, we just do get the kind of wrong idea. And maybe, maybe for some of us, people have told us that they loved us, or people who we thought loved us or should love us, what they did, what they didn't do, wasn't really very loving. But look at this. What does love look like? Verse 4. Love is patience. Love is kind. It does not envy. 
It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. There are lots of songs out there. You might know some of them that are kind of asking those questions, aren't they? You know, what is love? I want to know what love is. Is this love that I'm feeling? Um, I'm not going to sing them. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, you know, I guess in our, in our culture, people are searching for, you know, what is love and searching for love. But I guess often those kind of songs are talking about a very... They're talking about love in a very narrow way. They're at least talking about it in a kind of romantic uh, relationships kind of way. But love, of course, is so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. Often in our society, love is a code for sex, isn't it? Someone is your lover, making love. And love's big on Valentine's Day, isn't it? On the cards, the hearts, the sort of little teddies and things on the cards and, uh, and sentimental slogans. And, and we're very likely to, to use love about romantic love, but maybe also about love between love in the family, ideally, love between parents and children. But how often would we use love about our friends or our colleagues who are at work? You're probably more likely to talk about our, our love for our favorite ice cream than for the people that we work with or the people that we live next door to. But these verses about love, as, as I said, they were written in the first instance to Christians in a church who needed to treat each other better, especially when it came to using spiritual gifts and when they came together for church activities. And, and Paul kind of goes in heavy on them. I guess this is another reason why actually, you know, maybe some people have thought, actually, what a... Why are we reading this at a wedding? Because actually Paul is actually having a go at these people and saying, actually, you're not kind. You're not patient. And he mentions 15 things that love is and love isn't. And I'm not going to go through them all in detail, but I think you'd do well to uh, take a bit of time to go through this, to go through these things. And, and, and say, you know, pray, Lord, is there, where is there, improve, where is there progress that you want me to make? Is there some improvement I need to make in my life? Where are the areas where I need to be more loving? Take these things to heart when I think about other people in the church. I think that's the first place to think. That's what Paul's talking about. Thinking about how we love others in the church. Jesus said that by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That the, the church, the, the people of God, is meant to be characterized by love. Love for one another. It's supposed to stand out as something that's different in the world around us. The way we relate to one another, the way that we serve one another, it should display love. Am I patient? Do I dishonor others? Do I keep a record of wrongs in unforgiveness and bitterness towards other people, even people in the church? Do I trust? Do, do I give people the benefit of the doubts? 
Do I persevere? Do I keep going when others might give up, when things are not easy? And yeah, they're written to the church, these words, but they're good. They're good words for all love, aren't they? They're good words for all relationship, all contact with others. Even when we talk about relationships, don't we? We often think, oh, we're reading a lot of romantic relationships. No, no, let's... All our contact, all of our friendships with people. Jesus said, as Christians, we should love one another as he has loved us. Think about what he did for us. He went to great lengths, dying for us on the cross, giving up his life. He said, he didn't just say that to Christians. He said, love your neighbor, really anyone around you, as you love yourself. He said, love your enemies. If you think you're going to get out of it, listen to this one. Love your enemies. And these words on love, they will help us to be good friends, to be a good next-door neighbor, to be a good colleague, to be a good husband, wife, mum, dad, daughter, son, whatever else. I suppose there are people, I, I guess there are people, I think I've seen it, people have got these words framed on their wall who maybe they were read at their wedding, or you know, they've got them framed on the wall in that sort of wedding connection. And that is a good thing. Please don't hear me saying it's not a good thing at all. But these are words that we could all do with having. Verses 4 to 7. Written out, printed, on the fridge door. Something to look at each day as we think about what we're going to do that day and who we're going to see and how we're going to act. But they're hard, actually, aren't they? I think it's, it's very easy just to sort of read them and you'll sound really nice. But actually, the, there's a hard reality to when it comes down to actually putting them into practice. You know, when we're tired, when we're not feeling well, when another thing's gone wrong today, when other people are not loving us like this. Well, a couple of things, I suppose, helped me as I was thinking about it this week. I think one of the things is that Paul, Apostle Paul, he writes in another letter in the Bible, Galatians chapter 5. We often call it the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about nine qualities that God grows in us. It's part of his empowering. He grows in us through the Holy Spirit as, as we cooperate with him, as we walk with him, as we, we seek, open our lives to him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But actually, as we read um, through this, as we read through uh, 1 Corinthians 4-7, to we actually see actually there's quite a lot of connection here between that. Yes, in the fruit of the Spirit, it starts with love. But actually, those other fruit of the Spirit, we do see them mentioned, healed, referred to. We see, we, see them, we see them mentioned. We've got patience. Love is patient. We've got kindness. Love is kind. We've got perseverance. You know, we've got that faithfulness. We've got um, other things as well, which I uh, haven't written down. <laughs> but you can go through it. I saw six. I saw six different, at least six different references in a general sense or specifically. So, and I think the encouraging thing about that is that the, the message of the fruit of the Spirit is actually, if we open our hearts to God, if we've invited Jesus into our lives, and we open our hearts to God, and we say, I want to live your way, Lord. I want to cooperate with you. I want you to lead me. 
God will help us. God will grow those things in us. God will help us to be more loving. The other thing that people have said that I think many people have found helpful is why not try substituting Jesus for love and it in verses 4 to 7. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It's not just a clever exercise, but I think it can really help us, particularly sometimes, you know, we can sing these songs at church this morning with, oh, I know God loves me, God loves me. And you think, I don't, I can't quite connect with what that is. Well, God is patient with you. God is kind to you. God forgives you. He keeps no record of wrongs. He's not going to hold your sin against you if you brought it to Jesus. This, this helps us. If you want to read this through, substituting Jesus in, into this. Actually, I think it will help you in worship. It will help you understand, what does it mean when I say God loves me? As Jimmy mentioned earlier, one, uh, in 1 John, it says God is love. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that God demonstrated his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The cross was a demonstration of love. Jesus perfectly demonstrated love by his life and actions when he was here on earth. It was the greatest act of love when he gave his life for us. He died on the cross to pay for our lack of love for God, our lack of love for others. He died so we could be forgiven. And when we receive his love and we put our faith in him, he helps us to love. He becomes our example about how to love others. He empowers us through his Holy Spirit. If you're finding loving other people difficult, look to Jesus. Pray. Look to his example. Look to him for power and help. He wants to help you love other people. Think of the most difficult situation you're in. Jesus says, love your enemies. Gosh, I, I mean, I know that the working out exactly what that looks like does, you know, it, it can be challenging. We need help from one another. But God wants to help us. If you're not a Christian here this morning, do you know that God loves you? He loves you so much. He wants you to know uh, his love in your life. He wants to be patient with you. He wants to show you his kindness. He wants to help you. As you open your life to him, as you, maybe as you say to him, and this is what really bit of the heart of becoming a Christian, is, is to say to God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love shown to me. In Jesus, I'm sorry for my lack of love. Thank you that Jesus died. Please forgive me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live a life of love, just like he has loved me. And for all of us who are Christians, let's remember that we're all called to love others as Jesus has loved us. And Jesus will help us by his Spirit. Well, I could leave it there. Maybe it's probably a good place to leave it there. But I do just want, there's a whole section of this chapter that I haven't talked about. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. Not just, not because I can't. Believe me, I, I'm doing a little bit more about it than I will say. But I don't want to stray too far away from what we're talking about, about love, and get into. Because there are some things that are, perhaps Christians have found difficult over the years to understand in this next section. But um, here are some key verses from just the last bit of this chapter. Verse 8, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, 
What is in part disappears. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Well, I suppose we might be tempted to ask, as we've read all of this, well, which is better, love or spiritual gifts? It sounds like you're saying, well, love is the, love is the one, isn't it? Forget about spiritual gifts, let's just go for love. No, no, Paul is not saying that at all. Next verse, we'll think about, this will come in in, in future weeks. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow, he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. It's both. Yes, spiritual gifts, yes, they can be misused, they can be used without love. But we don't give up on them, even when that's hard. But Paul does make an important comparison between spiritual gifts and love. And I think it just, it just helps to reinforce just how important love is. He says, love never fails, but prophecy and all the other gifts will cease. There'll come a time when completeness comes, as he says, when we don't need these gifts, but we still need love. When we're face-to-face with Jesus, it's really talking about the time when Jesus uh, returns. It will show up that these gifts are temporary. They're really important in the life of the church, but they are temporary. But what will continue, what will never fail? Love. And I guess what that does say to us is that, you know, if you're at all confused about spiritual gifts, and I know I've spoken to a few of you, and I guess not all of us, even if you've been a Christian a long time, are that clear about, I still don't really understand, have I got any spiritual gifts or not? I do this thing in the church, is that a spiritual gift? I'm not really sure. Well, we trust that God will make that clear to you. But if you're in any doubt at all, just focus on love. Try to love others with God's help. Make the most of every opportunity to act with love, to serve others with love. You might, maybe you want to think, well, what is the most love, I don't know about spiritual gifts, but what is the most loving thing I could do for people in my connect group, let's say? Now, of course, this, this applies to all of us, doesn't it? Whether you think, oh, actually, my spiritual gift is something else. It's not like, well, I don't need to uh, be loving in other situations because I'm only loving when I'm sort of, in the band or, or doing kids' work or, or doing the tea and coffee or something. No, we, we're all called to serve others with love. What about that person who's lonely? What about that person who's struggling with their kids? What about, what is the most loving thing I could do for them or say to them? And you might find, you might find if you're struggling to sort of identify what is a spiritual gift, as you say, well, actually, I don't know what, I don't, I'm just going to act with love. I'm going to do what feels loving to me. Maybe through that you will discover the gifts that God has given you. Maybe others will encourage you and say, you're really good at that. You were so lovely when you did that. Maybe you start to think, actually, maybe this is the area. The thing that I actually feel naturally, I think this is the way I want to love people. Maybe that will turn out to be your spiritual gift. The Bible says so much about love, about God's love for us, about our loving response to others. But let me just leave you with this, this verse uh, from, from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And um, we're not going to go into a song. We're not going to, we, we, I think what we're going to do is just spend a little moment in kind of meditation. There is a Christian meditation, which is a good thing when we just focus and dwell on the words of God in Scripture 
and we just chew them over. And I think maybe it'd be good to just spend a moment. Could we just move on to the next slide and just have that verse up? Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. Such a rich couple of verses. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's just have a, let's, maybe let's just have five minutes. Don't be awkward about it. Let's just, you know, silence is fine, isn't it? And let's just, you maybe want to look at those, look at that verse. Maybe you just want to pray and, and, and ask God, Lord, how can I live a life of love? Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for that I'm a dearly loved child of you if I've put my faith in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your sacrifice that took you to the cross for me. I want to live a life of love in response, helped by you. Let's just, let's just meditate on that and or pray just on our own just in silence. Father, thank you that we, in in Christ, we are your dearly loved children. It's a wonderful thing, Lord, your dearly loved children. We've looked at some of, what does love mean? look like. Lord, you are all of those things and so much more. Well, thank you for the Lord Jesus. His great love for us, the great act of love and sacrifice, giving up his life. He gave everything for us, but did it with love. And it was acceptable to you. It paid for the wrong that we've done. It put us right with you. And Lord, I thank you that you call us in response to live a life of love. Lord, that is so easy to say, but it's not at all easy to do. It won't be easy as we walk out from this place for some of us, what we go back to this afternoon, tomorrow, the challenges we'll face this week. But I pray, Lord God, please empower all of us by your Holy Spirit to live a life of love. May we... May we be more loving this week, having looked at your word today, having heard you speak to us. May we be more loving this week than we were last week. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.